This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach Brooke Booth, episode number 49. I want to talk, frankly, about complaining. This is something I have personally had to really work on. And when I have an individual or a couple come to me and they are really struggling, I absolutely guarantee this is one of the primary symptoms and this is one of the primary um, like issues they're working through. And they may not recognize it as a primary symptom or a primary issue, but I guarantee it's there. So I want to talk about complaining in the context of Mormon mixed faith marriage. Before the mixed faith marriage, I'm guessing the complaining was also there. Maybe it was less. Maybe the faith transition exacerbated it. That's not uncommon. But a lot of times these are very much practice patterns of how we show up in relationship. A lot of times before the faith transition, uh, we just complained about different things. And with the faith transition, with the mixed faith marriage, sometimes the complaining is now about more, and these are in air quotes, important topics or more weightier topics like parenting, religion, and alcohol. For some people, complaining is a pattern, and we'll talk about how that looks. And for some people, the faith transition and now being in a mixed faith marriage sort of triggers the onset of complaining. And so I present that as a, as a question for you to look at, you know, which one am I? Do I complain Have I always just complained or is this a new thing for our mixed faith marriage? I'll show you an example for me. So before I would complain about when my husband got home from work, one of my favorite topics of complaint. Now I complain about how he uses his time away from family for church. They're essentially the same complaint. I've just sort of focused it more on the mixed faith marriage issues. Before I complained about the grocery budget. Now I complain about church, how the church uses tithing. I've really worked through that issue, but it's an example of how the complaining just sort of becomes hyper-focused on issues in the mixed faith marriage, if complaining was already a pattern. And if if it wasn't a pattern, a lot of times the weightier, more important issues somehow seem like they merit the complaints. So let's talk more about what's going on when there's complaining. So first of all, what is it? Often it's a list of things we think our spouse is doing wrong. You know, where they're not following our manual. Go back and listen to the podcast on manuals because that's a lot of times the birthplace of complaining. And I would also say this, and this is an even more important note on complaining is it's often a response to feeling certain emotions. So when we're regularly feeling certain emotions, we're usually regularly complaining. Remember, our our feelings always fuel our actions. Complaining is an action, so what's the emotion fueling it for you? If you feel unappreciated, complaining is a common response. If you feel unimportant, complaining is a common response. If you feel hopeless, complaining happens. If you feel defeated, there's probably going to be complaining. If you feel disappointed, 
complaining. And if you feel annoyed or irritated, you might also complain. And we feel certain emotions because of our thoughts. So then let's take it another step back. So what are the thoughts going on causing these emotions that are fueling the complaining? It might be thoughts like, I don't matter to him. He doesn't care about spending time with me. I'm not that important. This is so hard. She never listens. She doesn't get me or understand me. She doesn't even try. I'm trying harder. She's not trying here. These are all ways complaining can look. And what happens is when we have a thought that we think over and over and over, it becomes a belief. And this matters because when we have a belief, our brains do something with that belief. When we have a belief, which is a thought we think over and over and over, now our brains, because they're efficient, sort through all the data points we receive in the course of a day and they find the data points that support our belief and they bring them to our conscious attention. So when we have a belief, our brains, like I said, being efficient, find all of the evidence to support the truth of the belief. So there's so much data we encounter in a day and when our brains sort through it, they find the evidence for the belief and they ignore the rest. That's not brought to our conscious attention. And I point this out because this is often why we feel so justified in our beliefs. You know, maybe the belief is he doesn't spend time with me. Because our brain is finding evidence for why our belief systems are true, we have so much evidence why that's true, that he isn't spending time with us. But that doesn't mean it's actually true. It just means that there's a lot of evidence that our brains have showed us to support the belief system. Because our brains are ignoring all of the evidence why that's not true. And they should tell you this because it can be really, really helpful to question some of our complaints. And I know it's tricky to do that because we feel so justified in them. And we feel like we have so much evidence why that's true. And that we would be silly or it wouldn't be reasonable. And I just always like to pause and really realize what our brains and how they work and what they're doing. So we can just take a little bit of a different look. And I'll talk to you later how to do that. But the reason I talk about it here now is because this is one way that complaining becomes a habit, right? Once it becomes a belief, and then now we have all this evidence for why it's true, it makes sense to continue forward because it's true. Like we've got all of these data points showing us why our complaints are justified. This is how it becomes a habit. It feels justified. It feels so true. There are mountains of evidence to prove that we're right. And so we are. You know, when we start to share that with those around us. Another reason complaining becomes a habit is because it's often how we relate to each other. So I notice the primary way I relate to my sisters, they're the people I love the most in the world. The primary way I relate to them is to complain and to complain about my husband. I also like to complain about kids and work and bosses and houses and all sorts of things but especially about the husband. 
I would get together and before I realized what was happening, I'd be telling them all the grievances I had with my husband for the last six months, six weeks, six days, depending on when I saw them last. Because that was how I related to them. It was simply my practice pattern of behavior. I'll tell you a story about this. So I have been really doing work on this personally, like in my own personal life and in my own marriage, because I see complaining as a habit that I want to replace with a better way of relating to each other and a better way of interacting with my husband. Anyway, so I've seen this as a definite issue for me. And I was recently on vacation with one of my sisters and we're sitting at the lake, you know, just talking. And without even realizing it, I found myself in the old pattern of complaining about my husband. And I caught myself and I realized it. And I'm like, hmm, look at that. Here's me relating to her through complaining. And I did a complete 180 in the middle of the conversation, you know, because I had awareness and I just completely turned that around. And I shifted the conversation and I started to tell her all of the amazing things he had done lately. And it was surprising how easy that was for me to come up with all the amazing things. I had just been so hyper-focused on the negative that I shifted and I started to tell her all the positive things. And I started to tell her he recently had a promotion, how we were excited about that. And I told her about how he supports me so much in growing my business and how, you know, for the last few years as I've been working on this business, how it's been amazing because he's been so supportive. And I was able to enumerate all those ways, basically how he makes my life so much better. Here's what I noticed. I was still able to relate to my sister. Like we were still relating we were still having a great conversation. We were still really enjoying each other's conversation and company. I just didn't have to do it through complaining. Because when I complain, I feel kind of lousy. Now hear me on this. I don't feel lousy initially. When we complain, there's often like this initial hit of dopamine or whatever it is, the chemical that releases serotonin, dopamine. I know they're specialized, but you know what I'm talking about. Brain releases a chemical when we're in this sort of justified, I'm right frame of mind. And it's very similar to when we eat sugar or bake in a cupcake or a piece of candy. In the short term, feels great. We're like, yeah. But in the long run, it doesn't feel great. This is where it feels lousy in the long run. So in the short term, I'm like, yeah, I'm relating to my sister. We're having this great conversation. But in the long run, I'm like, "Um, this isn't how I want to be showing up. I don't like how I feel really about my husband in marriage when I'm complaining. And even more so, this makes me a victim. It makes me feel disempowered and I act kind of whiny. And that's not who I want to be. When I was not complaining, when I shifted that conversation, I basically experienced the opposite. I felt good. I felt excited. I felt extremely grateful. In fact, I remember after the conversation, I got up and went to find my husband because I had like this natural impulse to find him and hug him and tell him how wonderful he was. I don't usually feel that way after complaining about him. And this was so interesting to me 
when I feel bad, when I complain, I feel bad and I don't treat him the way I want to and I don't show up the way I want to. When I don't complain and when I celebrate how wonderful it is to be married to him and how much I do enjoy him, I feel good. I really do feel good. And then I'm able to show up so much better with him. Now I'll make a note here. I like to make these notes, these sort of caveats, is I always like to add the question of, sometimes people are like, well, what about abuse? I don't want to just focus on the good and ignore the abuse. And I like to say this, what I teach here doesn't have to do with abuse. This isn't applicable in those situations. If there's abuse, please see a therapist and please get the help you need. And I don't want you to hide yourself, you know, hide the fact that you're in an abusive relationship with the tools I teach because that's not helpful. So a lot of times I like to ask, is it good judgment of me to do work and decrease complaining? Or is that not good judgment? Okay, there's my little caveat. So let's talk more about like in a, in a normal relationship, why is it a problem to perpetuate the complaining habits? Because complaining impacts our ability to show up with love, kindness, and goodness in our relationship. Complaining means we're powerless to change our feelings until the other person changes. Right? That's what it means when we show up as a victim. And this perpetuates codependency. And this has a real impact in our relationship. Complaining has a real impact in the relationship. If it's perpetuating your victimness, it's perpetuating codependency. If it's perpetuating your own disempowerment, if it's impacting you showing up with love and kindness and goodness in your relationship, you might want to look at complaining. So here's what I suggest if you think this is going on for you. I suggest you take a complaining audit of your marriage. How often are you complaining about your spouse? Once a day, twice a day, 16 times a day? Take an audit. How often do you complain about your spouse? When you start to notice how often it is, I also want you to start wondering, who do you complain to? Who are the people you're complaining to? Not to cancel them out of your life, but just to bring more awareness around your pattern to behavior. Do you use complaining to relate to others? Is there another way you can relate? A lot of times there is. We're just, it's just the easy way, but there are other ways we can relate. So who do you complain to? It's going to help you get control of this habit. Do you use complaining to relate to others? Okay, the next question I want you to consider, what are you complaining about? Is it even true? Does it even matter? If you notice a lot of my complaints earlier, they were just sort of after the fate transition, they were the same basic complaint. I just changed the flavor a little bit. You know, it was either about how he uses his time or his opinions about money. Like, does it even matter? An interesting question. So what are you complaining about? Maybe they fall into certain areas and maybe there's some work and discussion and conversation and communication to have in those areas. A lot of times that's what complaining can show us is 
oh, I'm not really showing up in, with direct communication in areas around how we spend our time and money. So what are you complaining about? And I also want you to ask yourself this. How do you feel after you complain in both the short term and the long term? Is it like eating candy? Do you sort of get the rush in the short term? But then take a look at that. How do you feel? And then how do you feel in the long term? Answering these questions will increase your awareness around complaining. And awareness is always the first step to really making a change, to really being able to change patterns. So if you find in your audit that complaining is a problem for you, coaching might be a great option for you. So I want to tell you a little bit about how I work with people in a coaching setting. I work in two ways. I do one-on-one coaching and I do group coaching. I do the group coaching just a few times a year and I run people through my 12-week program where we cover the basics. When I say basics, I don't mean things that are simple. I just mean the basic things needed to have a really great Mormon mixed faith marriage. So we cover the basic things needed to have a great Mormon mixed faith marriage. In those 12 weeks, we do teaching and then we do coaching. And the one-on-one, we do more of a tailored experience. You know, if you have a very specific thing or a set of things that we need to work on, we'll tailor the one-on-one experience to that. They're both fantastic ways of getting help and addressing the issues that may be coming up in your Mormon mixed faith marriage. And I guarantee they will both help you. Whatever one is a better fit for you, they will help you make the progress you want in your Mormon mixed faith marriage. If you're finding complaining is stopping you from having the type of marriage you want, either one of these will be a great fit for you. But go to brookboothcoaching.com and read a little bit about both under the tab Work With Me and you'll know which one's right for you. If you're not sure, feel free to get on a call with me and we can talk through it together. All right, wishing you the very best.